Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the You're the One I Want edition, as my broadcast partner Dave Lapham joins me to preview this week's NFL Draft. Coming up, you will not only get our predictions for who the Bengals will select in the first round with the 11th overall pick, but this year, we will take a stab at predicting the Bengals' first three picks. We'll discuss the quarterback position and how early we think the Bengals will draft one, and we will give our dream scenarios, which in both of our cases involves the Bengals trading their first-round selection. Do we want them to move up or move down? Stay tuned to find out. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Podbean. It's the greatest invention since personalized golf balls. I have a buddy who works for Titleist who sent me a gift this week. Golf balls that say Sam's dad on the side in honor of my 12-year-old son. I love them, but I also wanted to get the word out there just in case you find one in the woods at a Cincinnati area golf course in the near future and incorrectly think you found a ball that was lost by Tiger Woods. Unfortunately for you, it's a different Sam's dad. Let's get to the draft. Dave Lapham has a remarkable record for predicting who the Bengals will take with their number one pick. The first four years we did this, Lapp nailed Kevin Zeitler, Tyler Eifert, Darquez Denard, and Cedric Obwehi. In 2016, he predicted wide receiver Will Fuller. Lapp's Nostradamus-like streak ended when Fuller was taken three picks before the Bengals were on the clock, and they wound up choosing Will Jackson. The following year, Lapp was right again, going with John Ross at number nine overall. Last year, he predicted that the Bengals would go with a center in the first round, and his personal preference was Frank Ragnow, out of the trio of Ragnow, Billy Price, and James Daniels. The Lions agreed with Lapp and took Ragnow one spot before Cincinnati, and the Bengals wound up choosing Price. For what it's worth, that was my prediction. Now time for a deep dive into what we think the Bengals are likely to do beginning on Thursday night. Lap, I want to start with the guys that we think there's no chance on God's green earth that are going to be there at number 11 when the Bengals make their first pick because I think we can also assume they're not going to trade way up in the draft. They've almost never done that in their history. So in my mind, Quinnen Williams, Joey Bosa, Josh Allen, and Kyler Murray are the four guys that I think there's absolutely no chance in the world they'll be there. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with that, Dan. I mean, I, I, I think that uh, in this draft, if you go by best player, I think in the, in, the, uh, in the top ten, there should be seven or eight defensive linemen that go. Mm. But it probably won't be the case because quarterbacks are valued so much higher. I don't have a 1A grade on any quarterback. And personally, I just big holes – and every quarterback's, uh, every quarterback's, you know, numbers, tape, everything else. When you say 1A, do you mean like the top third yes. of the first round? If there were, there are 32 teams. So if there are 33, the Bengals would be the last pick of the 1A. Yeah. Uh, they're the 11th, so they're, they're the borderline. Are they 1A or are they the top of uh, 1B? But yeah, the top, the top third of the draft, I don't think any of the quarterbacks warrant being in the top third mm-hmm. of that. But they'll, they're a first round quarterbacks so since they're a first round quarterbacks 
you know, a couple of them, at least one of them, maybe two, will go 1A. And um, I honestly, and that leads me to around the league, um, <clears throat> normally there are, you know, 18 to 22 first-round grades of the 32 guys that are drafted in the first round. Everybody, the consensus is, you know, never 32 first-round grades, 18 to 22 range. This year, I've heard as few as 15. I've heard as few as 12. Wow. A dozen to 15 1A grades. So that means, you know, will the Bengals get a 1A player? They may, they may have to settle for a 1B player at the, at the end of 1A or the beginning of 1B and hopefully not go 1C. And um, so there will be a lot of teams that are in their first round are getting 1B or 1C, you know, talent players. But because of this draft is far from top-heavy, the strength of the draft is rounds two through four. Good to have five sixth-round picks. <laughs> five sixth-round picks. I'd like to have – in a perfect world, I'd like to see them trade back and get an extra third, get another pick in the top 95 picks of the draft. Mm-hmm. Five picks in the sixth round, the, the chances of hitting a C.J. Uzama, a Rex Burkhead, increase exponentially, a numbers game. You, you're going to hit on one of them, you would think. You're probably not going to hit on three of them, though. Sure. So, but you would, it, it is, it is going to give you a better opportunity. I mean, you're, you're selecting consecutive players there for a while. I mean, it gives you a pretty good shot of hitting on one of them because nobody's going to be taking anything from you. You're just boom, boom, boom. What, what, are, you, what, what are you thinking in that? How, how good is your board in that area? And over the years, they've been pretty good in that area. So it, it is an interesting draft, I think, in that there's not even – usually you can say, here's the top five guys. And definitely, here's the top three guys. This year, you can't even say that. You can't even say that. So it's it's very interesting draft. Um, it's not a great year to have a top ten pick, and the Bengals are just outside of that, obviously. But it's not a super year to have that. Um, you know, there are there are some players. I shouldn't say unilaterally. Nobody deserves to be a top ten uh, prospect, but there aren't uh, <laughs> there aren't a whole lot of uh, first round picks uh, talent wise in this year's draft. And yep. When's the last time, Dan, this has been talked about a few times, when's the last time no safety, no corner, no running back, no wide receiver could go in the top ten? That's been a while. I've asked people that around the league. I said, can you remember a year where all four of those positions are eliminated in the in the uh, top ten potentially? And nobody can really come up with a, you know, a year right off the top of their head like that. You think Quinnen Williams is the best player in this draft, correct? I do. I think, you know, in terms of tape, um, potential, you know, he's a he's a, a a guy that his his body fits his frame. You know, he's not he doesn't have a Volkswagen chassis with a Cadillac body on it. You know, is he's still a, he's still a pup. He's still a young guy that I think his best football is still ahead of him. And he was a dominant inside guy, and he's young. I, I think I think he's he's going to be the guy in my mind that's going to have the big big career. I really believe that. So we said Williams, Bosa, Allen, and Murray are definitely not going to be there at number 11. Then I think there's another group of guys that almost certainly won't be there as well. Devin White, sorry Bengals fans, I think he's going to go fifth, sixth, somewhere in that neighborhood. I think a tackle, at least one tackle will go in the top 10. I'm not sure which one. Will it be Jonah Williams? Will it be Dillard? Will it be Taylor? Will it be Ford? I'm not sure, but I think a a tackle will be gone, whatever that team considers to be the top tackle in the draft. I think TJ Hawkinson will be gone. I think somebody will grab at the best tight end in this draft. And personally, I think Ed Oliver, the defensive tackle from Houston, will be gone. 
I hope all those are true. I hope those guys all go. You know, the interesting thing about both the linebackers, uh, Devin White and Devin Bush, and if Devin Bush is there at 11, he's obviously going to be in the in – the, if White's there, he's obviously going to be in the conversation. But, you know, they're undersized. And look what the New England Patriots did in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. They went with a fullback, and they said, okay, we're going old school. We're going to pound you. And those undersized sub packages, they just beat them up, beat them up. And you, you look at these linebackers and, and okay – they're three down players. You're going to get a lot of value. They're three down players potentially. Plus, Darren Simmons is drooling. I mean, you know, you can't have them play three downs and all the all the special teams. But if they don't end up being three down players, you can incorporate some special teams. There's no way a guy with these athletic abilities can't play special teams for him. So you got to think, as a rookie, and you're spending a high pick. Man, it snaps. How many snaps are they going to give you? So you you have a little a little uh, you know little cushion, a little miss cushion because special teams could, could give them a lot of snaps on the football field. But when tight ends, big tight ends, these little guys are going to get leveraged in the passing game. Each guy has one career interception. One. Where's the big playmaking? I mean, there are these you know, smaller guys that quasi-safeties playing like one pick each in their careers. I don't know about the playmaking ability, particularly when you go to the NFL level and you have these tight ends that are the Tyler Eiferts of, you know, uh, Hawkinson, these guys that have size, ability to run routes, you know, length, uh, contested catch. These guys are going to struggle in a contested catch area. They did in college, obviously. They only got one pick each. Uh, that's a little bit of a concern to me. And Devin White, I watched uh, Coach Turner. I watched Texas A&M. Put it to Devin White. They beat him up, man. I mean, he, if I watched solely that tape, he, uh, he got knocked around. He missed tackles. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, top five pick? Oof. Ain't playing like a top five pick, pick in that game against uh, Texas A&M. And you can always find games like that, but he missed a lot of tackles. I think Bush is a more sure tackler than White is, but I don't know, man, going to that next level in the NFL, I'm not sure, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. All right, let's take a look at kind of the pool of guys we think will be in the mix at number 11. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I think, you know, Devin Bush will obviously, you know, be in the conversation at, at the linebacker position. Uh, an edge rush guy like uh, Gary or Sweat will be in the conversation. Medical issues with both of those guys. You know, Sweat has a, a thickening wall in his heart. I mean, he has a heart condition that a lot of some teams that I've talked to are, have a bigger concern with it than others. Um, it's, you know, you just have to feel good about it if you're going to draft them, obviously. Plus, uh, you know, Mark uh, D'Antonio said, see you later up at Michigan State. We know him. I mean, if, you, that, if he really feels good about a foot, he had to have done something pretty severe for Mark to part ways and say sayonara. Um, so, you know, that's a little bit, but a little bit of an issue. But, man, physically, whew, a freak. You know, 6'6", six, six, uh, big, big size. He's got 84-inch length. I mean, you know, these guys have seven-foot wingspans, and he runs a 4'440". Four, four and with, with that Inspector Gadget arms, he can set the edge and lock, you know, lock guys up in the, in the running game, keep people away from him. He could be a big tackle for loss, sack guy. Uh, Rashawn Gary is, is a freak. Over 280 pounds, runs sub 4'6", you know, 38-inch vertical, 10-foot broad jump. But you put the tape on, 
Where is it? Ten and a half career sacks as the number one defensive line recruit, number one overall recruit in the country. Ten and a half career sacks. Yeah, and he only played nine games last year, and he's got a shoulder problem, and supposedly it's a rotator cuff. And uh, you know, I can I can think back to uh, uh, Buffalo drafted the kid out of Clemson with a rotator cuff, uh, first round pick. I'm trying to think of the edge rush guy. I'm cramping on his name right now. But uh, Rex Ryan take, took him in the first round. His son, Rex Ryan's son, was a walk-on at Clemson and said, you know, hey, this guy, he, he's, he's a big-time playmaker. And, and uh, you know, early in the uh, training camp, or even maybe even before training camp, you know, he had to have surgery on the rotator cuff. So if, if Rashawn Gary does have a rotator cuff problem, maybe that's the reason his productivity was down last year. And, and I thought last year, to me, it looked like he was shutting it down some. It might have been the shoulder. Might have been an agent in his ear saying, take care of yourself. Don't do anything stupid. Make some good business decisions. But, you know, you don't want to have that. But the interesting thing that the Bengals have, Dan, that no other team in the league has, 10 of their, almost half of their coaches are from college. Last year. Last year in college. Mm -hmm. Jordan Kovacs, defensive quality control for the Bengals. On the Michigan staff last year, uh, Tim uh, Lukabu. Linebackers coach for the Bengals on the Mississippi State coaching staff last year. They know about these injuries. It's not like speculation. It's not rumor. It's not, you know, it's they know. They were there as coaches. They know exactly what the doctors were saying. That's intel that other teams don't have. That's great information. So they coached some of these prospects. Jim Turner game planned against them in in the SEC at At Texas Texas A&M as the offensive line coach at Texas A&M. He knows uh, of what he sees and speaks. Uh, uh, Alabama, Florida, the offensive lineman from those schools, he knows all about them. He watched it. I mean, they have, they have great intel with all these college. It, this is the only year it's going to be that way, obviously, because you know, next year they'll be coaching the NFL. But they have double-digit guys on their staff that were in the college game last year as coaches and to me, that is massive going into this game. They'll have it'll be interesting to see who's pounding their shoe on the table in support of a guy who's saying, "Eh, you know," <laughs> and he's shaky, shaky uh, on the field, shaky character, shaky whatever. Injury is is it's more than you think. Ah, the injury is nothing to worry about. They will have an opinion on all all that that's very valuable. So Devin Bush, theoretically in the mix, edge rushers theoretically in the mix. Mix, excuse me. How about tackles, offensive tackles? Yeah. I mean, offensive tackles are definitely going to be in the mix um, because I think, I think that uh, you know the the area that everybody talked about is better protection for Andy Dalton. And if you do have a more solid offensive line and your offense is more productive, less exposure for your defense. I mean, it all goes hand in hand. If the defense is getting off the football field, the offense is going to have more opportunity. If the offense can't stay on the football field, defense is going to have more exposure. I mean, it, it's, it's the hand fit in the glove. But I think if you improve the offensive line, um, it benefits. Look at all the skilled people that they have, talent-wise, on the team. They have Pro Bowl players, multiple-year Pro Bowl players at quarterback, at, uh, at wide receiver, on the cusp of one at running back, potentially. I mean, they've got Tyler Eifert at tight end, depending on you know his availabilities. They've got players. They've got skilled players. And they got a quarterback that can handle, you know, things if you if you give him an opportunity to do so mentally. I think improving the offensive line becomes paramount to me. You know, I've, I think I guess as a former lineman, I lean mm-hmm. in that direction anyway. But 
I, I agree with you, Darren. You know, I'd be stunned if two tackles go in the top, you know, uh, 10. Um, I don't know if I might stun. That's probably too, that's too strong. I'd be surprised, but one of them is going to go, and maybe two. I mean, it, it could very well happen because around the league, I think everybody feels that way. And, you know, guys that I respect, like Charlie Cashley, has got a couple of them going, you know, in the top 10 in his mock drafts. And there are four with high grades. Jonah Williams from Alabama, Juwan Taylor from Florida, Andre Dillard, Washington State, Cody Ford, Oklahoma. It seems consensus that all four of those guys are first-round talents. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, it's, it's like, what do, you, um, what, do you, what do you like when you, when you see these guys? Taylor, to me, um, he never ran a 40. That tells me he can't, he's, not, he's, he's slow. He's slow-footed. That doesn't mean that he's not fluid, smooth, I mean, and he's powerful. You know, now, he's not Willie Anderson. You know, if, if, if Willie Anderson's sitting there at 10 or 11, you jump all over that. But he, he's not that. But he's, 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 a, uh, he's a power, strong power player. He's probably the best run player. Run right, blocker. right tackle, strictly a right tackle. Strictly. Yep. You know, maybe a guard. I mean, his feet, his feet are, are, you know, I guess good enough to go into guard um, and, and play the guard position. But, um, you know... He's he's a right tackle strictly. Jonah Williams, you know, hope you might hope uh, that you have a Matt Light type player. I mean, his film production is pretty darn good. He, I think he can play left. He played left. He can play left, right. He can play guard. He can play center. Um, he lined up in the SEC as did Taylor. So they played against the best competition you can play against. That's a plus for those guys, for Taylor and Williams. Um, Williams is a uh, is, is a multi year captain. You know, he's number four overall in the entire draft on the pro football focus board. Yeah, I think I think he might be the one that goes. If he is not taken, sprint, <laughs> sprint to get him. I mean, don't don't hesitate. Yeah. R- run the best 40 time, you know. Get so a good... he's your favorite of the four. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I have him. Honestly, I have he, he and Dillard. Okay. Uh, those are my two guys. Yep. And those are the two guys that I'd like to see him. One of those two guys I'd like to see him pick. Because in my mind, it's still a big man's game. And, and if you if – you, uh, Dillard to me is, is a left tackle. Dillard's the guy. He's the, he's the left tackle. He's the prototype left tackle. The only thing is when I'm watching him on tape, Dan, I'm looking at his body type and the linear, and I'm like, I've seen this movie before. It looks like Cedric here a little bit physically. It's like, oh man, he's got long, he's got the long arms, and he's fluid, and he's smooth, and he's athletic. And I'm like, oh, don't like that. But he seems to have a little more saltiness to him as I'm watching. And he's going to turn 24 in October. He's not a kid, so I think I think that's that will help him. Um, you know, it, it obviously you're thinking, all right, well, geez, he's only going to play till he's 32. You know, how many years we got out of him? Hey, you know. I, I would I would take the guy. I think his experience level is, is a plus. Washington State, you know, threw it 65 times a game, and he was a machine. He bends at the knees. He's got very good hand placement. He's got a good punch. He can redirect with people. He is the best pass blocker, in my mind, the best pass blocker in the draft. Kind of a finesse run guy, not a dominant, powerful run guy. Um, will Coach Turner be able to teach him technique that – because up there, they don't give a darn. The air raid. They don't give a darn about running the football. Mm-hmm. I mean, the running game is a draw. You know, they, they don't uh, – I know Mike Leach. I know Mike Leach personally. I mean, I did a bunch of his games at Texas. He does not care about running the football one iota. So, you're never going to see 
you know, great run uh, run block technique out of his out of their offensive lineman. Doesn't mean he can't do it, but as you look at him, he looks he looks more he looks more like a finesse position guy rather than you know come downhill and smoke you off the line of scrimmage. So I guess that would be you know the question of the flying his ointment. To me, Ford is a guard. Big Oklahoma. grizzly bear. Yeah, yeah. And Taylor Taylor and, and Ford a little bit more. These guys are the old Oakland Raiders, a la Art Shaw and Gene Upshaw. Clamp. I mean, their technique is they they grab. You know, and that that tells me they're not confident in their movement. They're just they're trying to reach and grab you. And um, in the NFL, with the with the better athletes that they're going to be facing, if they don't have the really good footwork and the ability to change direction, they'll they'll maul people in the running game. But I'm not sure about pass protection. You know, and my experience has always been if a guy's if his if, if his better area of his game is run blocking, it's going to be very hard. It's more difficult, I think, to, to teach a good run blocker to pass block than a good pass blocker to run block. I really feel that way. All right, so possibility of a linebacker, edge rusher, offensive tackle. What about quarterback? What if Haskins is there at number 11? I don't think they, I don't think they take him. I think that uh, in, in my mind, Miami's sitting at 13, Washington's sitting at 15, the Giants are sitting at 17. I do think the Giants are going to take one of the edge rushers. Uh, knowing their GM, he it's a he loves big people. He loves, you know, uh, with their top ten pick. With their top ten yeah. pick, their sixth pick mm-hmm. of the draft. I th- I think that Gettleman is going to go with a hog molly, like he likes to call him. You know, he 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 likes big people, and he feels like you win with big people. I think he goes there. It would not surprise me or stun me whatsoever. With seventeen, though, he may be thinking, all right, let me try quarterback here. The Bengals are sitting pretty. 13, 15, 17, all three of those teams potentially could say, you know, we'll, particularly Washington and the Giants, we've got to move up ahead of Miami. Let's move up to 11. I think the Bengals are sitting in a great spot. I hope Haskins is there. and But we'll find out if the Bengals – I'm not saying we'll know because they didn't trade back, you know, and Haskins being there. I bet they get phone calls, though. I bet they get phone calls. And if Haskins doesn't get picked in those – how far will he slide, you know? Do you like Haskins? I do. I think you know. I, I do think that um, his his mechanics are inconsistent sometimes. But man, he's got a gun. You know, if I'm his agent, you know, I'm going to tell him to count. fifty touchdown passes. What if he only has thirty five next year? I mean, does his value go down? Or to, to fans, it would be like, oh man, he was he was not even close to as good as he was his junior year or the year before. And um, but you know, to, to football people. They'll look at tape, or, did his, or, his, or his mechanics better? Was he more decisive with his decision-making and all those kind of things? A lot of teams around the league think that he could have used one more year. So one-year starter, which is a knock. T- typically, if you look at past quarterback success going from college to the NFL, the more games you start, the better. Secondly, a lot of people seem to think the feet are not very good. Yeah, I think I think that's the that's the thing. You know, they think um, you know mobility is is a little bit of a question mark. I know he's more mobile than Tom Brady was coming out of Michigan. I know that for sure. And that Michigan game is puzzling because you know they were the best defense in football, but Ohio State players were wide open. When you look at that tape, you know, I'm not saying every Tom, Dick, and Harry could make the throws, but man, he didn't get challenged with having to make a lot of tight window throws. And I think a lot of uh, a lot of NFL people are like, all right. With the scheme of offense that they ran, man, he he had a lot of wide open uh, areas to throw the football. Can he uh, make it? That's why during his pro day, 
uh, everybody was making a big deal out of, he was putting that like on a back shoulder type spot, even though it was against air. He was trying to show people I can hit places instead of being what I'm throwing to a wide open. I'm not just going to throw it to him right in front of him where it's an easy. I'm going to, you know, pretend there's tight coverage, back shoulder, you know, make him throw, throw it where only he can make a play on the football. And he did that a lot. In his pro day, I noticed it was, I was watching that. I thought, well, that that's smart. That's smart to handle it that way. I think, obviously, you know, he's going to be a first-round guy. It's just a question of, of where and when. But I don't think it's. I don't think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to make that pick. No. All right, let's get to it. With the 11th pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select. I'm going to say Dillard because I think Williams isn't there. But if Williams is there, Williams. But one, one of those two guys, I would go with that, uh, you know, with that offensive lineman. I think if Gary is there, Shaq Lawson's the guy I'm thinking of from trying to think of from Clemson. He came out with Buffalo first round, yeah. edge rusher, and he had that shoulder issue. If Shaq Lawson, if uh, Rashad Gary has a has a shoulder issue like uh, Shaq Lawson, you know, now now you're looking at uh, he subluxes that bad boy. He's looking at surgery and a six month rehab. Um, so, I mean, the thing about him, though, like we talked about, great athletic talent just plays at a good level. When you have great talent, you got to play better than a good level. And, you know, that's, that's his thing. And then Sweat, you know, Sweat being there. Again, coaches on the staff can speak to these. And I don't, know, I don't know where they have them on the board. You know, we always talk about they group guys. They'll have, you know, one through four. But on the big board, one to ten. 1 to 25, 1 to 50. Do they have the top two tackles on their board ahead of the three and four edge rush guys? I don't know, but we'll see. You know, I guess we'll probably find out. Um, where do those linebackers fit in on the big board? You know, they're the top two linebackers, obviously. Where are they on the big board, though? Um, just knowing how Mike Brown thinks, I could see him going offensive tackle there. And, and if, if you, and he, the reason I'm thinking Dillard, Jonah Williams played left tackle, but man, Farrell from Clemson gave him a hard way to go in that bowl game. Looking at that tape, Jonah Williams didn't have his best day. And Farrell, Farrell's a one C guy. Farrell's a first round guy. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's not a guy at eleven. You know, I don't think. But I'm. I, I'm not saying that. You know, he's chopped liver. He's a good football player. Um, but I think the, the the safest left tackle in my eyes watching is Dillard. That's why I think they do that because you can always. You can always go to other spots from left tackle. It's hardest to go to that left tackle spot because in the NFL it's changing a little bit. It used to be it was automatic. The best pass rusher was the right defensive end. Now in these sub packages, they have you know rushers everywhere that are, are a factor. You have to have pass protectors everywhere. Um, and that's what, okay, and you say, all right, well, what do you do with Cordy? Kick him into guard. Hmm. So yep. you're not thinking Dillard starts at right tackle to begin his career and then eventually bounces to left when Cordy Glenn is done? You're thinking he's right in there at left tackle. I think if he shows himself in training camp to be the left ta- best left tackle, I'd play him at left mm-hmm. tackle. And Bobby Hart shows that you know he should be playing right tackle, play right tackle. If Cordy plays left tackle well and he's healthy and you know engaged, yeah, it's, and then it's a battle Bobby Hart and, and him. It, it's a battle. Th- those three tackles, the best – Guys of those three tackles start, hmm. and then if you if you have to shuffle, uh, Cordy goes inside, play some guard. You got Miller and Cordy, two former Bills. You got a Buffalo tandem at guard. In college, Bowling was the left tackle. Cordy Glenn was the left guard at Georgia. So you know he he uh, 
you can you can do that easier. It's hard. It's easier to go tackle the guard. Um, but the thing, you know, the reason I like Jonah Williams is honestly, I think he'd be a, a Pro Bowl guard potentially, uh, even a Pro Bowl center potentially. I think he'd play right tackle easier than left tackle, but he can play left tackle. But in in my eyes, athletically, body type wise, watching um, him go, I think I think Dillard. Dillard being the guy, he's, he's he's bigger, faster, you know, athletically. His numbers are are crazy. Again, you know, the nightmare I had a little bit. I, I had a, oh, 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 am I looking at? Ooh, what am I looking at? I've seen this play out, and it didn't play out well. And it wouldn't shock me if uh, if the Bengals, it wouldn't shock me if they go tackle in the first and second round. That would shock me. Well, it, uh, <laughs> the, the reason it wouldn't shock me, if Howard's there from Alabama State, in the second round, because I think Titus he, Howard. Titus Howard. Yep. He is a he's a first round talent. He started out as a quarterback. He was a quarterback at Alabama State, like Lane Johnson with the Philadelphia Eagles. When I was doing Oklahoma games, he came to Oklahoma as a quarterback. Now he's you know he quarterback and moving the tight end, beef him up. Now tackle, Pro Bowl tackle. Howard's three hundred twenty five pounds, long arms, three time captain. He's kind of the face of the program down there. The dude can play. He can play. If Greg Little's there at the Bengals spot in the second round, you got to think about the guy, you know. And we've talked about uh, how it didn't work out with Cedric Obwehi and uh, and Jake Fisher, but it has worked out at other positions where you know you, you double down to make sure you get at least one. And you know there's a there's a ton of uh, ton of instances of it. You look at uh, uh, Mohamed Sanu uh, and, and Jones. That you know that that worked out where both guys are still playing. I mean, I I go back to uh, David Verser and Chris Collinsworth. Get Chris Collinsworth in the second round. You know, it's like okay, well, we think Verse is a guy, but boy, Collinsworth's right there with him. He's there in the second round. Oh my gosh, we got to take him. That turned out that turned out pretty well. I mean, there's been a lot of cases of when they doubled down, more cases of it working with the football team than not. But tragically, it didn't work out a tackle for him last time. Spikes and Simmons. Spikes and Simmons, another good one. Two first-round guys that, uh, you know, that that, that that got it done. I mean, C.J. Uzama and Tyler Croft, you know, they're both both signed long contracts, uh, five six million bucks a year, you know, in their contract extension. So, you know, you get the, you get uh, that one that one working out. It's it it wouldn't it wouldn't uh, it, it wouldn't stun me. I, it would surprise me, but it wouldn't stun me if they did that. So for what it's worth, I think you will be right if White and Bush are gone. If Bush is there at number 11, I think that's what the Bengals will do. So I will make him my pick Uh in the first round. And here's my thinking. You've only got two first-round linebackers in this draft. And then in some, you know, experts, whatever mock drafts, the next linebacker doesn't come up until the third round. So I think there's a big drop-off between the two guys at the top and then the next wave. It was the biggest weakness on one of the worst defenses in NFL history. I think historically the Bengals would not look at an undersized linebacker that high in the draft, but the game is changing. You've got your nickel and dime defense on the field about three-quarters of the time now. They need a sideline-to-sideline speed guy in the run game and in the passing game. And the last time this defense was good was when the Will linebacker was good, back when Vontez was healthy and engaged and not suspended, whatever. So to me, if Devin Bush is there, 
universally graded as a first-round guy. I know you don't like the size. I get it. But I still think that's the guy they'll take at number 11. I think it very well could be. I mean, he's going to be talked about. And, and again, like we said, if White is there, he's going to be talked about. Um, it would not be a bad pick. I just I think that the league um, trends and shifts, and I think with so much sub-package being played, I mean, starting – and I agree with you. I mean, Vontez Burfick was a three-down starting will linebacker. He's almost 250 pounds. Or he was 250. Had a hard time <laughs> staying at 250, 255. This guy – this guy is, is – even looks smaller on tape than what his, what his measure, measurements are. But like we talked about before, he's overcome it at every level. Overcame it at high school. Overcame it in, in, the, in the Big Ten. You know, overcame it against really good football uh, teams. I honestly, I don't see a big gap between White and Bush. A lot of people do. I don't. I think they're very, very, very similar. Mm-hmm. I would have no problem if they took uh, Devin Bush. I wouldn't. But I guess the old school in me says, man, I just, I just think, you know, Bill Belichick seems to be the guy that sets the trends in a lot of ways. And, you know, when, when he decided to just hunker down and throw that fullback back there and just started pounding people in that running game, I think we're going to see more and more teams doing that against, you know, the smaller sub-packages because you're right, that's the way the league is now. The league is 75 to 80% nickel and dime packages. That's just the way it's going. All right. So you are taking Dillard or Jonah Williams if he's there at number 11. I'm taking Devin Bush. Let's go to our dream scenario next. What would be the ideal thing to happen, the, the cards falling perfectly for the Bengals? To me, it would be, you know, trade back. Uh, they, 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 number 11 comes. Haskins is there. They get multiple phone calls. You know, like we said, uh, you know, my, Miami at number 13 thinking, hey, we better trade up because Washington and the Giants. I mean, it would be awesome if the Bengals are, are talking to Miami, Washington, and New York Giants. Pick 13, 15, 17. You have three teams on the horn saying, Haskins is our guy. We've identified him as the guy that we want to try to go get. And I don't think that's going to be the case. I mean, I don't think everybody is going to be interested in moving up to a number 11 for Haskins. They, they've got Jones. They've got a bunch of other guys that, that I'm sure they're looking at. Um, all, all teams are. But to me, that would be unbelievable to move back to that, to get an extra third-round pick because they own the sixth round. But they don't have much currency, you know, otherwise. And as I, and my feeling is, and I agree with a lot of people that I've talked to, this draft is about rounds two through four. That's when the draft starts getting real serious. And if you can have an extra pick in the top 95 picks or 100 picks or whatever the case may be, um, I think that would bode well for the Bengals. All right, so we are in complete agreement on our dream scenario. Here's what I have written down. Haskins is there. And Washington at number 15 desperately wants him. Alex Smith will be 35. His career is in jeopardy after the brutal leg injury last year. Right now their quarterbacks are Colt McCoy and Josh Johnson. Not good. The Dolphins are at 13. Their starting quarterback this year is set to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Not good. So the Redskins decide we need to jump ahead of the Dolphins in order to get Haskins. They make the deal with the Bengals. So the Bengals move backward from 11 to 15 and I looked at one of those NFL draft charts the 11th pick in the draft according to the one that I looked at is worth 1250 points right the 15th pick in the draft is worth 1050 so there's a 200 point difference 
between the Bengals pick and the Redskins pick. The Redskins' third-round pick is worth 210 points on the uh, draft board. So here's the deal. The Bengals move back. They get the Redskins' first-round pick and third-round pick, and they give the Redskins one of their sixth to make up that 10-point difference. There's your deal. Now, the bad thing, in my opinion, if they make this deal, is that Bush will no longer be there. If there's any chance he's there at 11, I don't think he'll be there at 15. So they lose out on the chance to get Devin Bush. Still get my lineman. You still get your lineman, and what it does do is it allows you to address four positions of need instead of three. So to me, they desperately need a linebacker. They need another defensive lineman. They desperately need an offensive tackle. And to me, I think tight end is a huge area of need because of Tyler Eifert's injury history. So now you can hit all four of those spots in the first three rounds by trading back four spots. I agree with you. And also, here's another factor, an X factor, Josh Rosen the Josh Rosen factor at quarterback. There's no way in hell, I don't care, they're saying, okay, well, both these young quarterbacks would be on a rookie deal. That quarterback room would be toxic. You got a guy that was the 10th pick of the draft. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals last year moved from 15 to 13 and gave up a third and a fifth rounder to do it. So look at the inventory and the capital they gave up last year to move up for Josh Rosen. Now you take a quarterback with the first pick of the draft Josh Rosen is not going to be an Arizona Cardinal if they do that. I think it's interesting, you know, um, Randy Moss, when he was traded to New England, he went for a physical to New England and people found out about it. Going to start tracking, is Josh Rosen going anywhere this week before the draft because you got to get a physical, make sure that everything's okay there, and they'll try to do it, you know, espionage, undercover as much as they possibly can. But there are already a ton of teams – I guarantee you, Miami, Washington, the Giants, they're all talking to Arizona. What would it take to get Josh Rosen? Because if Josh Rosen came out in this draft, he would have either been the number one or number two quarterback in this draft. So Josh Rosen could significantly affect two drafts in a row. A team moved up five spots from 15 to 10 to get him. Now they're going to trade him, (laughs) and, and he'll affect the order of the quarterbacks potentially, you know, in this year's draft. So I think that Josh Rosen factor could be massive, and, and the Bengals will be dealing with that a little bit, as will everybody else. With 11 overall picks, when do the Bengals pick a quarterback? Not until day three. I don't think it'll be day one or day two. I because, agree. Because like you said, the needs, the other needs they have, um, you know, they, they'll they'll address it. And I think I think that uh, – I think the, not only – I don't think offensive tackle or I think linebacker. I think offensive line, linebacker, they could double down in multiple spots with 11 picks. If they trade back and get 12, they can double down in three spots and still have six other picks. Of course, you know, a bunch would be in the sixth round, but they'd still have a, a bunch of picks to deal with. So uh, that would be interesting if it, could, if it could pan out that way. I, I really think when it comes to quarterback, the Bengals are thinking – Let's build it up around Andy Dalton for one more shot. We still believe in him. We still think he's a guy that in 2015 could have not only uh, won a playoff game, but maybe won several playoff games before he broke his thumb. That's how well the team was playing that year. So I think their approach is we've got a new offensive-minded coaching staff. Let's build up the talent around Andy and take a run at it. And that's why I don't think they'll take Haskins or anybody with one of their top, uh, you know, couple of picks. I do think they'll take one. I'm thinking maybe the fifth round, same round they took A.J. McCarron, some sort of, you know, Gardner Minshew, 
uh, Greer from West Virginia, somebody in that, uh, you know, that realm that they think, you know, this is a guy that, that looks more like a really good potential backup quarterback that you could win with if you had to. Uh, but let's hold off on using one of our top picks for now. Yeah, and um, I, I think if you go with Kyler Murray, if Arizona goes with him, they are committing to a specific style of offense that they're going to run. It's like, you know, look at, look at what Washington did. They went RG3 and they went Kirk Cousins in the same draft. And it worked out where Kirk Cousins was the guy that went to the Pro Bowl and made all the money, and RG3 flamed out with injury. RG3 was a straight-line track guy, but he didn't have the make you miss. He couldn't even slide. RG3 couldn't slide to the ground to protect himself. Weird. You know, as, as athletic as he was, wasn't athletic enough to do some simple things. But they, you're, you're two different style of quarterbacks. RG3 gets injured. You have, you have to have two different separate offenses, and that's what you're doing with Kyler Murray. In most cases, you know, Baker Mayfield is a Kyler Murray type guy. Obviously, they did the same things at Oklahoma. But if you have a real that, – that type of quarterback, I mean, I, to me, you're making a huge commitment if you're the Arizona Cardinals to say, all right, we're going to junk everything. Cliff Kingsbury is a quarterback guru. He has an offensive philosophy at Texas Tech. You know, he's going to throw it. He's going to have a mobile quarterback that can uh, change the launch point, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be interesting. It'll be very interesting to see what they do with the other people at the quarterback position. Because if he goes down, what do you got then? You're going to have to implement a whole new style of offense that Cliff Kingsbury doesn't necessarily even want to implement. All right, you ready to take a stab at the Bengals' second and third round picks? Let's <laughs> let's go with the second round. This is the 42nd pick overall. Now, admittedly, this is really a crapshoot. Yeah. You don't know, you know, who's going to get selected before uh, the Bengals are on the board with the 42nd pick overall. But what the heck? We'll take a shot. The Bengals' second round selection. So let's say that, you know, your first round uh, selection comes true and they have taken uh, Dillard, the offensive tackle from Washington State. Who do you see them taking then in the second round? In the second round, I could see him uh, if he's there, and I don't think he will be. I think he's going to be late one, early two. Dexter Lawrence out of Clemson, 6'4", 342 pounds. He's got a seven-foot wingspan, exactly. 80, defensive line. Defensive yeah. line. Um, he's, he's, he's a load. There's no question about it. He's, uh, he, he's, he's a factor. I mean, Clemson could literally have four defensive linemen, three of them probably going to be first round, the fourth might be. If not, he's going to go early in the second. If only two go, all, all four of them are going to be gone very early in the second round. And this, this guy is, uh, you know, a little over five flat 40. It's not like he's a, you know, he's a, he's a big old hog that can't move. He's, uh, he, he's got some significant uh, long arms, big hands, big old muckers. When he grabs you, he puts you in the vice. You know, he can, he can leverage you when he locks you out. And that's, that's the thing that you, that's, that's key as well. Not only a big body guy, he gets his big hands on you and he bench presses you away from him and you're seven feet away. He's got separation. He can discard you, you know, shuck you like an ear of corn and be right in the, right in the place to make a play. So that would be my dream pick in the second round would be Dexter Lawrence, but I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that is a pipe dream. And, you know, potentially if a guy like Mac Wilson might be there, out of Alabama in the linebacker. second round, linebacker yep. out of Alabama, um, you know, go go that route, six one, two hundred forty pounds, not quite, not as fast as the others, four seven ish type guy, but uh, great 
you know, football IQ, um, you know, another guy in, in, out of uh, Notre Dame. Um, I, I don't think he's second round. I think he's a little bit later. He might be my third round guy, but Coney, Tevon Coney, yep. Tevon Coney out of uh, out of Notre Dame would be a linebacker type guy that they might go if they don't go. You know, Devin Bush in the first round. I know Coney came in for a visit, so clearly they're at least uh, kicking the tires on him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think he would be a you know a, a, a good possibility there. Um, so I think another defensive lineman in the in the third round. Potentially is Western Illinois, Kalen Saunders, big guy, you know, a little under 6'1", 325 pounds, very athletic. I mean, if he's there in the third round, they could be going, going that route. If they go linebacker in round two, defensive line. I think if they go offensive line with the first pick, they start attacking defense with the second and third round with the deficiencies we're talking yeah. about. And if there is some, some edge rusher in some way, shape, or form that has slid to their pick in the second round, I think they jump on it. And then, you know, then there's – obviously a, a little bit of a drop-off from that edge rush standpoint. That's why, you know, even though these guys have medical issues potentially, um, you know, Sweat and Gary, you still have to talk about them at 11 because once those four guys go, it's, it's a drop. Just like the two linebackers, a drop. The four edge guys, a drop. But those might only be a couple of edge guys because of the injury factor. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. And we know that every team has a different philosophy. Some guys will take these guys off the board if they have this type of injury, you know, a shoulder problem or particularly a heart issue. Others were got no problem in roll. But I've already heard a lot of Bengals fans and other people around the league have said to me, are they going to draft another injured player? Hell, they drafted Billy Price last year, and look what happened, you know. Are they going to draft another injured player? Well, it wasn't his pack. He had another injury. And you, just, you can't control injuries. You can't, you know – determine oh yeah boy in the future he's going to have you know Liz Frank type problem and you know but uh, I I think I think Bengals fans would like to see guys that are 100% physically clean from an injury standpoint being that 11th pick in the draft and maybe even the second or third rounder I get it a way he had the torn ACL John Ross was injured before the Bengals took him Price Torres Peck doing sure. the bench press at the uh, combine, so yeah. there has been a recent history. There has, and and it's you know I, I think I think when you look at it, uh, that's another reason I like Dillard. Oof, clean as a whistle, you know uh, the, the the big lineman. I think the offensive line guys are are pretty clean. I'm not saying that you know Bush or White have any injury history, but when you look at it, you think all right from a durability standpoint, um, over the long haul, the pounding in the National Football League. A big, strong offensive lineman or an undersized linebacker that's going to be battling those hog mollies, you know, day after day after day. I think, you know, again, again, I guess I'm thinking old school. Um, but I, I do think, I think the league is going to, we said it a couple of times now, I think it is going to go, well, Bill Belichick threw it out there. Everybody's going to have a, a, a fullback slash tight end guy, you know, wingback type that they can line up in that I formation with the Bengals would be Hubbard. Sam Hubbard go in there and just start pounding those little bodies, you know, for Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard. All right, my second-round pick after I've taken Devin Bush, 11th overall, I'm going to take one of the two second-round tackles that you mentioned earlier, so Titus Howard from Alabama State. The Bengals historically don't like the small school guys. I get it, uh, but everything else looks good. He's big, 6'5", 320. He faced Auburn at Alabama State, did not give up any sacks or pressures in that game. Graded out very well at the Senior Bowl. Yep. So, well yep. Bowl. So Titus Howard, if he's gone, then Greg Little. You mentioned him from Ole Miss. 
the uh, bugaboo from like a bad mojo perspective with him is that he's from Cedric O'Boy's high school. Uh, <laughs> but, but he was the number one offensive line recruit in the country, went to Ole Miss, uh, long arms, 35 and a quarter inch arms, 85 inch wingspan, longest arms of any tackle, good feet, maybe didn't play as well as the measurables in his college career, a little bit inconsistent, maybe a little more of a finesse guy than you would like, but second round, uh, you're hoping that uh, Jim Turner can get him to play up to his potential. I think Little will be there. I don't think Howard will. I, I don't, the Howard's, there's no secret with Howard anymore. It's out. The dude is, he's, I think, got a potential to be special. And uh, like I said, he's the face of that Alabama State team. Three-time captain. What does that tell you about the guy? Um, so you, you're talking about all of those traits and characteristics. Uh, I, if if I knew he were there in the second round, I wouldn't even mess with a tackle in the first round. I think I think he – I would not go 11. I would not go the 11 with Titus Howard. I think that is a little bit too rich. But, man, I'd do a 1C on him all day, every day. I'd do a 2A on him, and I, that's why I'm not sure if the Bengals are going to be able to experience him at, at that stage of the second round. I think they do have a better chance of getting little. That's why I thought – you know, I'm thinking, man, if they, if they go that route, um, you know, people, people are – it's it's almost a, a, a split camp. Cordy Glenn underachieved, wasn't wasn't in, in, you know engaged, wasn't this, wasn't that. Uh, Bobby Hart signing was caused as much negativity in Bengaldom as a lot of recent signings for sure. You know maybe they do go two tackles, but with other needs, that would that would be a, a surprise for sure. All right, to the third round, the seventy second pick overall in the draft. You're on the clock, Dave Lapham. Who do you select? Well, I, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna either go um, if I go defensive lineman Lawrence in the in the in the third round if he uh, second round if he's there I'm gonna go linebacker. If I go uh, linebacker in the second round, like I was talking about with Mac Wilson, uh, then I'll go defensive lineman in the third round. So my my third round defensive lineman is Kalen Saunders, the big boy out of Western Illinois, a little under six one, three hundred twenty five pounds, very athletic. I thought I think the Bengals, you know, being right at the cusp of 3A or beginning of th- end of 3A or beginning of 3B, that would be a uh, you know a, a decent pick for them. And uh, if, if he's not available, uh, then I would go with Coney as a as a third round linebacker. I think that's good value. I, I think second round might be is too rich for him. I think third round value value for a guy like Coney w- would be there. He's very very intelligent. Football IQ as well as overall IQ, having matriculated at Notre Dame. All right, in the third round, I am going back to Michigan. Two of my top three picks are going to be from Michigan. I'm going for Chase Winovich as my edge rusher. Pro football focus would be doing cartwheels. They've actually got him as a late first round on their top 250 players board. Most of the other uh, boards that you look at seem to think he's a second-round, third-round guy. So I'm, I'm saying that he somehow slides to 72 because he's a little undersized, 6'3", 256, but tests off the charts, 4.59 speed. Great production at Michigan, more productive than Gary, oh, yeah. even though Gary's going to be the first-round pick. So, And uh, they did bring in Winovich for a visit, so they're interested in him. I think they get Bush in the first round, either Howard or Little in the second, and Chase Winovich falls to them at number 72 overall as an edge rusher. I'm seeing him in everybody's top 50 now. 
I, I, Gosh darn it. I, I don't think <laughs> if he's there, I would jump on that. But I, I don't think, I don't think he's going to be there. But that would be, that would be amazing if, if he were, if he would be there. But again, I, I, he's, uh, he's, he's no secret anymore, and he really wasn't a secret. I mean, he was the guy that was, was, um, you know, putting on all the pressure. Uh, Rashard Gary is was the number one recruit out of high school. Yeah. Rashard Gary, he was the number one guy in the country. And uh, he didn't perform. You know, like I said, great measurables, just good performance. Winovich has good, very good measurables, great performance. I mean, that's what you're looking for. I, I would, oh, I would run to the bank if he were there at number three, Dan. I, that would be awesome. That would be a, a real dream. But I, I just, I'd be stunned if he's there. So if not one of the other good edge rushers that slides, you know, there's going to be somebody that the Bengals have a second round grade on that's there in the third round because their board is different from other people's boards. There'll be somebody, Jalen Ferguson from Louisiana Tech, you know, 45 career sacks, but a small school guy in Conference USA. Maybe he slides. He's another guy they brought in for a visit. But somebody like that, that the Bengals like more than other teams, and he's there at number 72. Yeah, I mean, there's there's always somebody that uh, the light goes on or – they were used improperly, like Ed Oliver was abused at Houston. I mean, I, I couldn't believe they had him playing over the nose in the defensive line. He is a three technique um, by everybody's standards and everybody's measurements. And you t- to me, that says a lot about his character, that he would do that and not bitch, moan, and complain every single day of his football life at Houston. So he's a team guy, you know, and that, that to me that that's a plus for him. But you hate to see things like that. A lot of times – Guys are stuck in a system at college. I mean, you know, the, the legendary Paul Brown went and uh, scouted Booby Clark at Bethune-Cookman, and they were playing him at tight end. And he's like, huh? That, guy, that guy's a fullback. I, I, I've always had, you know, Marion Motley, the big body full. Booby Clark is my fullback. So talent evaluators, Paul Brown, Bill Walsh, they'll see a guy and say, he's – this in my scheme, in my West Coast offense, he's this. Even though they have him doing that, they're wasting this guy. And that's where, that's where you make your money. That's why, you know, people uh, are saying there are so many prospects in this draft, rounds two, three, and four. That's where you're going to make your money. And uh, third and fourth round are, are going to be very, very interesting for, for every team, including the Cincinnati Bengals. Final question for you. Do you think that the coaching change has a big impact on, on the draft? You know, I think so for the reason I said before, the 10 of them were in the college ranks mm-hmm. as coaches last year. That's great intel for Duke Tobin and his people. But I think, honestly, I think this year in particular, as as this staff was assembled, it was assembled fairly late. Um, Marvin Lewis had his way of doing things in a draft room, coming from the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, obviously, you know, Zach was with the Rams and some of the coaches and staff with other organizations, but not necessarily having the involvement that they had here with the Bengals. In my mind, this will be more of a Duke Tobin draft. I, th- I think Duke is going to drive this draft like he's never driven a draft. I think he's in the he's he's the bus driver. He's driving the bus. And I'm not saying that the, the coaches won't have any input. They'll have a lot of input, like I said, from a oh, I know this about this guy that nobody else knows. I was with him for four years. I was with him for three years. I know all about this guy. But I think, I think that uh, in terms of you know, decision-making, and uh, I, I think Duke's, Duke's vote's going to carry a lot of weight 
you know, with Mike Brown as he's making his final decisions. Everybody will get up and still give their pitches, and but I, I think I think the relationship between uh, Duke and his scouts and the coaching staff is in its early infancy stages. You know, it's it's going through a metamorphosis for sure. So I think the guy that is going to steer the ship that has all the experience is Duke Tobin. We've been talking about the draft for nearly an hour. Unbelievable. I could do another hour. This is fun. I know. That's why that's why they get great ratings. I mean everybody everybody uh you know wants to see what the new blood is gonna be with their particular franchise and I do I do think that a lot of organizations around the league, the Bengals being one of them, have had some success, uh in some a lot of success with the draft draft develop and retain. You know, getting those uh second contracts, the second bite of the apple and in a lot of cases like we talked about you know, Croft is, has done it elsewhere. Other guys, you know, Burkhead's going to be doing it elsewhere. But the Bengals, for a good part of last year, had the most players on NFL rosters that they originally brought into the league through draft and college free agents that they signed than any other team in the National Football League. That speaks to what Duke Tobin, his guys, and the coaching staff and everybody involved with the draft, that speaks volumes. I mean, tip of the cap to their, their process. Their process has been working next week we'll talk about all the guys they picked that'll be fun too there you go you get your you get your christmas presents and then you get a chance to unwrap them and take them out in the field and see what they look like but it's like it is it's like santa claus it's like oh what what present we gonna get here at linebacker what are we gonna get here at this position group so it's an interesting dynamic on thursday friday and saturday be sure to check out bengals.com for in-depth draft coverage Jeff Hobson and I will bring you a ton of written content, and Lap and I will do videos to discuss the Bengals' picks at the end of each day. We will review the draft on this podcast next week, so if you haven't done so already, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Podbean. And if you have a minute, please give it a rating or leave a comment. Your feedback is always appreciated, and those five-star ratings help more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.